elementary. And, and one of the things that uh, is going on over there, I was able to talk uh, to some of the administration over there. Um, and, and so they're having a year, right? And so what we want to do is we want to lean into uh, what is going on over there. And, and, and so here's what I want to tell you a little story is this, um, is that there's a need in every elementary school, all right? But, but our address matters, so there's this need uh, for help over at Medell Elementary School. And some of us are over there and we're doing uh, the things that we can do. And, and for some people, you're working 40, 50, 60 hours a week, so you, you can't be over there. Um, but you've chosen the way that you're going to get involved is through finances and um, being able to finance the efforts that are going on there. And let me just tell you something uh, that happened last week, two things that happened last week. Uh, one was this, that we consistently do this thing called Thanksgiving families, all right? And in Thanksgiving families, what we see is uh, it started with 30 families that would be fed for Thanksgiving um, through you guys' giving. Um, and then it went to 40, and then as I was texting the assistant principal over there uh, last week, uh, they said, she said this, she said, you know, actually this year it's going to be 50, all right? And so we're like, okay, we can do that. It, it ends up being about $20 per family uh, is what it ends up, and what I asked last week was, can we, can we take care of that uh, this week? So it's a thousand, it was a thousand dollars, and so uh, last week, we, you guys, did it, all right? Like, um, like you raised $1,800 out of the 1000 And so, um, and so that's like 90 families, all right? And so what's going to happen there is any, any extra money uh, that happens uh, is going to come in, it'll go then towards what we're going to do is Medela Christmas families uh, as well, all right? And uh, Katie Noter is kind of heading that up, and that's going to be, we're going to adopt 10 families uh, for Christmas. Um, and here's what we want to do. This is, we're not doing this so we can have a return. We're doing this because we feel like this is what God has laid on our hearts uh, to do. And so I just want to encourage you with that. There's another story. This is just the best. And so we have a team uh, that does Fellowship of Christian Athletes over at Medela. And so it started uh, two weeks ago, and they started with a, a number of zero kids, okay? And I believe me, been there, done that, and that can be super disheartening. And so they went back the next week, which was last week, and they had 100% growth, uh, and there was, there was one kid. And, and so they showed up, but it was for the one kid, and they, and they still did FCA, all right, because you have to, right? I mean, that's the deal. You're there for them. And, and so 13 other kids ended up signing up, and then I think there's going to be this whole uh, deal. You guys, pray with me seriously about FCA, okay? Uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, it's, it's one of the ways that we can be on campus over there. Pray with me about that, um, because I really feel like that group over there is going to explode. And so here's this kid, and... and uh, and he's there, and they're playing this game with a soccer ball, and, and the soccer ball has questions written on it, the panels. And wherever your right thumb lands, you have to answer that question. And so the question that, was, that this kid lands on is, what is your favorite book? All right? 
And the kid's like, well, I don't really read a lot. And so they were like, the team was like, well, you can come up. I mean, you can come up with something, right? He's like, well, actually, I read this book, the FCA book that you guys gave me at the back to school bash. Like, I read that book. I've been reading it every day. And so I'm about halfway through it right now. And they're like, and, and one of the leaders is like, well, FCA book? Like, they don't remember, like, I don't remember giving you an FCA book. Yeah, the green FCA book. He goes, I have it right here. He gets it out. It's what's called the Bible, okay? And it's the green FCA book, and he's read halfway through the Bible. And so here's the deal. And I just want to, like, let's get into a reality. Let's get into a mindset where I think our mindset, if we're followers of Christ, if we live here in Florida, right, Um, if you walk 10 miles, you'll walk by at least 10 churches, okay? And so the deal is this, everybody knows about Jesus. Like everybody knows about God. Everybody knows about the Bible. Here's the reality. Uh, No, it's just not true, all right? And so people need to know the hope that is found in Jesus Christ, all right? And so I just tell you those stories to encourage you. I mean, I couldn't, the, the, the money was being counted for Thanksgiving families, and I'm like, that, okay, that did it, all right? So 180% of the goal, uh, we have this one kid at FCA, and he's, I think he's going to be like the champ for FCA. I mean, he recruited 13 people, and so that day, and so I don't know if he's going to be like the Peter of FCA, but um, he, he's going for it. And so, um, well, we're going to stand right now, guys, we're going to do something Today, you're going you're gonna to feel like you're at a Catholic wedding, okay? Now, you're not going to be up and down that much, but we're going we're gonna to stand together, and uh, we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together, and um, here's what I want us to do. If you, again, if you've never, if you don't know the Lord's Prayer, you're good, okay? Don't worry about it. Um, if you say thou and someone says thee, you're good, like, <laughs> don't worry about it, all right? Uh, here's what I want to do. I just want to approach... Uh, God, and just say, say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from an evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, you can be seated. So I have another question for you. Have you ever driven somewhere and um, you don't know how you got there? That's happened, right, to all of us? Or, or maybe in the middle of the drive, you don't know, you look around, you're like, how in the world did I arrive here? And so uh, what I want to talk about a little bit today is Uh, I had this thought today, um, or this week, for Lakeland Vineyard, like, where are we at, and how did we get here? And and today, I want to talk about um, where we have come from this year, in 2019. We started off with what was called vision, all right, and a vision service, and, and one, all right, being one community being one family, leaning outward into our community around us, 
And we went into uh, a time of uh, mission support where we decided that we were going to support people um, more deeply financially and more with our time. Um, from there, we went into Lent and, and the wilderness experience where Jesus goes into the wilderness and comes out full of the Holy Spirit. Um, and then we learned about who the Holy Spirit is, that the Holy Spirit is alive and well today. We covered what is communion and why do we drink the tiniest drink on Sunday and why do we eat that crusty uh, wafer, okay? Because it's not really choice, all right? But why do we do those things and why do we do it weekly? And then we went into the Lord's Prayer, all right? And, and what are we saying when we say the Lord's Prayer and, and what we've come to and then we baptized last week, we baptized five people. Um, and what was baptism all about? And then we're landing here um, in the book of James, all right? And James is very challenging, though it's only five chapters long. It will knock your socks off, all right? And, and so James is written by the half-brother of Jesus, all right? And so half-brother, meaning that uh, Jesus was born uh, of a virgin Mary, and so uh, what I was t joking around with uh, Josh earlier this week was, um, you know, don't worry, all right? it's, it's Mary and Joseph's Christ, it's his kid, all right, and so that's, someone said that one time to me, Mary and Joseph Christ, I was like, no, that wasn't their last name, okay, and so the deal is this. Um, the book was written, it's probably one of the earliest accounts, all right, either that or Galatians, uh, one of the earliest accounts uh, of Christianity forming, right, and it's written by uh, James, and, and here he's going he's gonna to be martyred in 62 AD or around about there, um, but the book's writings range from, uh, they say anywhere from 40 to about 50 uh, plus Right? And so you might say, wow, that's a long time after Jesus. We have to remember what was going on here, the oral tradition that's happening, um, the lack of uh, smartphones that remind us of everything. So they, people remembered better. You guys remember back in the day when you used to know people's phone numbers? Dude, so embarrassed the other day. Someone said, well, what is your daughter's phone number? I was like, hold on a second. I was like, I got to look it up. I don't know. All right? And so I memorized it, though, and so I have it now, and I'll forget it tomorrow. But, um, but you guys remember that. You used to know everybody's phone number. You used to go to the phone, you did the thing, right? And they're like, those were the coolest, right? And then that game with Touchstone. My kids don't even know what a phone is, all right? And so, so James is writing this, uh, and, and James is commented about by other authors, all right? Uh, in Galatians 2, Paul makes reference to him as a pillar of the church. And when someone says that you're a pillar of the church, it doesn't mean that, you know, you're just some side role that's being played. You are a pillar of the church. And then we see uh, the author of Acts, whose name is Luke. Uh, he makes reference to James uh, being martyred in Luke 12, uh, or no, excuse me, Acts 12. And then in Acts 15, he talks about how James in his, in his wisdom was able to uh, go through this situation of the church and offer counsel, right? And so James, uh, all this to say uh, that it is packed with wisdom, that it is written by an author who very 
clearly knows the subjects in which he's writing about, all right? And he comes and he writes with authority. And so as we go through this book, as we go through these next Sundays, I want us to remember the phrase, live wholehearted in a fractured world. And I believe that this, this can be a reality, that you can live wholehearted. Are you going to mess up? Yes, I do it daily. You are not, you are not in a, some exclusive club if you think, man, my life is just messed up. Said something I shouldn't have said. Uh, you know, yelled at the kids. Uh, did X, Y, Z. I mean, you name it, okay? I've been there. I've done that, all right? And so this isn't me coming from the front saying, hey, I've got it all together. I don't, and I realize that. But here's the deal. How do we live wholehearted in a, in a world that is fractured? And guys, I just want to encourage you for a moment. If you're taking the path of doom and gloom, stop. Okay? Jen and I were talking about this just yesterday. There is hope in the message of Jesus Christ. Is there a lot going on in the world? Yes, there is a lot going on in the world. But God is still in control and He's still on the throne. If we think that we're different, that we think about the early church, what was going on then? Craziness. Persecution like crazy. People dying for their faith. The author of this very book that we're going to be going through was martyred for his faith. And so the world was crazy back then. It's crazy today. That's the trajectory of the world. That's the fractured world that we live in. But we can live wholehearted knowing that Jesus is alive and that Jesus is well and that Jesus desires to use each one of us. And so really we live in this tension where we're continuously drawn to the fractured part of the world. Oh gosh, it's all wrong, it's all this. But that's diverting our attention from the wholeness that is found in Jesus. And so what we have to do is we have to find the wholeness in Jesus while living in a fractured world. That's not to say that we say, oh, no, that is actually going on. You know, none of that. I don't listen to anything. Okay? I can't trust the news, right? I mean, how many people have said that? Accurate. All right? Um, you know, I listen to, you know, I listen to Fox. Okay? Because Jesus is the producer, I guess. No, okay? Or I listen, I don't listen to CNN because, you know, uh, it's the devil. All right? I mean, honestly, like, have you listened to Fox? Have you listened to CNN? It's somewhere, the truth is somewhere here. Okay? And so, here's what I would say to you is this. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. That's the reality. All right? In the midst of the storms, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And I believe this. That we can actually see people set free. That we can see people healed. All right? And God can use imperfect people just like you and I to do that. And so I just want to encourage you that this is more this cute little phrase up here. It's more than a cute phrase. It's more than a sermon series. It's more than a sermon series title. 
I believe that it's a call to open our eyes and our hearts to what Jesus is doing. I believe that it's, it's a mindset to put on. It's a, it's a perspective to look through that says, okay, God, we do live in a fractured world, but you are in control. I believe that in most of our lives, there's going to be some adjustment of thought and adjustment of action. There's going to be some things where James calls us to that are tough. And so I just want to prepare us uh, for that. And so, but I do want to encourage you in this. Take the challenges, process them, and let God renew your mind. Let Him transform your heart. And it will happen. And trust me, there's bumps along the way. All right? I am not telling you that you are going to live some utopic life. There are going to be bumps that happen along the way. And so what we're going to do today is a little bit different, guys. It's a little bit different. We're going to stand again. We're going to do this thing called a litany or liturgy, if you will. Now, here's what I know we're not used to this. It's going to be weird to some people, right? There's going to be some words up here. Caden, if you want to put up that first slide, stanza one. Okay, you guys can see that. I'm going to say the stuff that's in normal. You're going to say the stuff that's in bold. Undoubtedly, this first stanza is going to be rough because of pace and things like this. Somebody's going to be talking faster. Someone's going to... It's okay, though. Here's what I want us to do, to take in what is being said. Okay? So let's do that. God, make us attuned to your compassion. That was awesome. Transform our hearts and minds so that in kindness, in kindness, so that in kindness, 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 in kindness. In kindness. In kindness. In kindness. In kindness. In kindness. May the precious kindness of Christ the precious kindness of Christ guide our hearts and voices. Amen. All right. You can be seated.
So back in the day, I'm going to give you a little something about that. Back in the day, I thought that used to be the weirdest thing ever, all right? This call and response, I thought, man, what is, we're like robots, right? And I thought that as a teenager, and I thought that even into my, um, even into my 20s and into my 30s, I thought, man, what in the world? But then I realized the depth of what's happening there, all right? That when we say in kindness, all right, and we say the things together, I believe that it brings some sense of unity. It brings some sense of togetherness uh, um, with us. And so what I want to do is I want to dive in. We're going to look at one verse today. One verse, James 1.1. 1, 1. And because I believe this, that James 1.1 1, 1 sets the tone for everything that's going to be said. If we don't understand the perspective of which James is writing from, then we won't understand anything else. And, and so the one verse says this. It says, this is a letter from James a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing the 12 tribes uh, to the 12 tribes of Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. How in the world are you going to teach from that, Andy? That's a good question. I want to I take them on in reverse, though. I want to talk about the 12 tribes first. So the 12 tribes, the letter is written to the whole church. Now, the church at this point is fairly, fairly small, all right, a lot relative to today, all right? So the church, and this is capital C Church, and, and so it's written to an audience that, that all people who consider Christ as Savior, uh, and this audience is mainly Jewish believers. It did consist of some non-Jewish believers called Gentiles, um, but it would have been, simply because of the timing, it would have been mainly a Jewish audience, and so this is a baby church. It's finding its way. It's finding its way how to deal with, with cultural influence. It's finding its way with how to deal with monotheism, but, but that's one God. But yet now what we're saying is, yes, there's still one God, but he's just three different people. And they're dealing with this, and all this is pulling on them. They're dealing with uh, you know, some teachers who are teaching falsely, they're being influenced by culture, they're, they're dealing with favoritism and elitism within the church, and they're basically just acting like little kids. And so James is writing to address this, and to address the church, and encourage the church, and instruct the church. And so he says this, though, this is a letter from James a slave of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when we think about someone who has authority like James has, when we think about somebody who has the, the influence, who was called a pillar, who was one that was known with great wisdom, I love how James looks at himself, though. He looks at himself in a, in a real way, and he addresses himself as a slave to the Lord or to God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And now that phrasing is key there because, remember, he's talking to mostly Jewish people. And so when you talk to mostly Jewish people, what are they? They have heard the, they've heard God. They have heard capital L-O-R-D. And now what you're putting into this equation is, listen, God and the Lord Jesus Christ. In that sentence... He equates Jesus with God, right? 
And, and so there's this equation that's happening that says there's an equal sign between Jesus and between God. And I love this because here's a man who has seen it all, right? He saw Jesus. He was Jesus' brother. At one point, he even thought Jesus was a little loony. And he tried to go get him out of the house and say, dude, come on, man. Like, you're my bro. Like, you're just a dude, and you're act- you said you're Messiah. Like, settle down a little bit, all right? But at some point, we see this heart change in James. And James is now what's called a pillar of the church. And so I want to speak very simply and very quickly this morning is this. How do we look at ourselves compared to others? How do we look at ourselves compared to others? Because here's James, a man of authority, a man who's seen it all, a man who can write with authority, and here's what he does in the most humility, or uh, yeah, this way of humility of writing, he says, I'm a slave of God. James is saying, I am not my own. I am fully God's. God is in control. And here's what I would ask of you today, and I'm asking of myself, is this. Are we taking on the attitude of Christ? Like when we leave here, are we taking on the attitude of Christ? And that attitude is this. It is about humility. In Isaiah 52, beginning in verse 13 all the way through 53 to the end of that chapter, here's what it talks about. It talks about the suffering servant, that his appeal wasn't anything exterior. It was how he came to serve. Now, I want us to think about that. How did God achieve the mission in which he went out to do was to save the world? He did it through a baby. He did it through someone who would suffer on a cross and die a violent death, who would be risen again and who would save the world. And we talked this morning about what does it mean to have the attitude of Christ, or what does it mean when we pray that prayer, God, make me more like you? What does it mean? Here's what it means. It means that we have to take on humility. It means that when we mess up, we have to admit it. It means that when we do things that we shouldn't do, we have to say sorry to people. And let me tell you something. If you're like me, it happens all the time. But what we try, what we can do somehow is artificially act like as Christians, we have it all together. And here's what that, that is called. Pride. That's the opposite of humility. And so I submit to you this morning that as James writes this book, as we go through this book, it is going to be one of the most challenging series, I think, that we've ever taught through. And I don't mean challenging and looking at the theology or the Greek or anything like this. I mean challenging in the fact that it is going to call us to action maybe like we've never been called to action before. It's going to call us to a humility that we might not be used to. It's going to call us to a place that says, hey, what what are you doing? Are you just praying the prayer, make me more like you, and not really wanting to be more like Jesus? As we talked this morning, it it was about this. 
And I thought, think about this with me. When we pray that prayer, but we never like study the Bible or anything like that, we're praying to God, we're saying, God, I want to be more like you. I don't know you, but I want to be more like you. And we're never going to know full out like the mysteries of God. But when you read through the Bible, what do you find out? You find out the character of God. And so when we pray that prayer, we're saying, God, I want to be like you, consistent like you. I want to be loving like you. I want to be merciful like you. I want to be outward leaning like you. And I want to be empowered by you. And so I wonder if we wrote a letter today to a church that was struggling, if we would address it. This is Andy, a slave of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Or would we address it in a way that is prideful? That would say, hey, this is Andy. I have it all together. Here's some advice. Here's five chapters. Take it or leave it. And so I just want to present that to you is this, that that living wholehearted in a fractured world can be a reality. And so if you would, stand with me. God, I thank you that you are alive and well. And that your desire is to use each one of us. And, and it goes way beyond these four walls. It goes out into a community that, that needs you, a people that need you. We need you, God. The people around us need you. The people that we work with and go to school with. God, the people that are beside us when we're shopping. God, would you open our eyes to see what you're doing. And then give us the boldness to participate. Give us this desire, God. And I pray that we would just not expect that to be some magic that happens, but there's a part that we play. The part that we play when we say yes to the things that you're doing and yes to the people uh, that are around us. So, Father God, I pray that you would come and that you would move in our hearts, in our lives. Make us more like you, God, as we pursue you in all that we do.